Welcome to the Three Thirds Mag One Third Scouts podcast. It is milestone episode number 30 uh, of the podcast, and I'm joined by my fellow podcasters, Mr. Ross Smith and Mr. Simon Mann. How are we both? Very well, very well. How are you guys? Yeah, good, good, good. How is how well? How's everyone? How's everyone been? It's, it seems it's quite close together as we only recorded last week. No, when we say we're going to yeah. record a week apart, we end up doing two, three weeks apart, don't we? I've, yeah, had, I've, had, I've had I've had DIY problems. More, more I, DIY. I, my bass, my bass started to leak. I thought you'd only have DIY solutions. Oh, I'll tell you what you need to do there, mate. Put the put the plug in. Save <laughs> <laughs> the fortune on the water bills, isn't it? So, trying oh. to put it's a it's a disaster. So, so where, where's it leaking from? How? So, how did well, you discover the problem? Is it like a gush? Is it just a small? No. So on our on we had a leak from the boiler. Um, about I feel like it was about two or three years ago, and it's le- it left like an orange um, mark on the ceiling, and um, and it was only when it was, I think it was last Thursday, last Wednesday, I actually looked up at the ceiling and thought, oh, that that looks a bit darker than normal, or like, like it's not, it's, it's obviously dried and stuff from from years ago, but it, she said oh, it looks a bit of a different shape, or it looks odd, and I was like, so we touched it and it was damp, and I was like, oh no, I was like. I remember it was coming from the pipe in the boiler. One of the, the the overflow pipe in the boiler was dripping, and it was dripping onto the floor where the boiler was, and, and going down this little hole where the pipe was. And I was like, "That's where it's coming from. It must be that." So I go upstairs. It's got nothing to do with that. Ashley said, "No, it's under the bath." And I was like, "No, it's not. It's not under the bath. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's definitely coming from the boiler somewhere." So I was like, "Oh, this is the problem." I was like, "Cause these pipes go under the floor," and I was like, "I don't really. I can't. I can't rip the floor up. Can't get the floor up. There's nothing. Well, I have to call somebody out." So I was like, first person I rang is my dad. I was like, Dad, there's something going on here. I got I, like <laughs> definitely damp on the floor. Can't can't don't know what's going on. Um, the classic. So dad the classic. I'm going to call someone. I'm going to call my dad. Call, yeah. <laughs> so dad came round in the morning and said, "Look, before you do anything else, do you not get- do you not worry that one day, just before you carry on, that one day, like your kids are going to have houses, and then <laughs> I do worry about this that I'm going to be the person they phone up, and I'm just going to be like." <laughs> Don't have, I have no idea. To be honest, as soon as as soon as one of them gets their own house, it just goes on call divert to uh, <laughs> trust the trader. <laughs> somebody, you, somebody you, two are, you two are praying that you all 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 of your children marry the, <laughs> the sons and daughters of tradesmen, aren't you? Electricians and plumbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just become an estate agent, just buying a new house, just getting into a new house, get this, get, get this, look, just turn the water off. Somebody that, comes to the house. Light to run. God. Oh, that's it, son. It's only to sell it. <laughs> Disaster. So anyway, so we get so we get the we get the panel off the bath and Ashley's right, of course, it's coming from it's coming from the cold water tap, which is the furthest tap away. And the the way that the bath's been built into the into the floor or the way that it's in the bathroom, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to turn off, so we've had to turn the water off. And luckily enough, um, my dad had this almost this special spanner, which doesn't go is more of a lengthways spanner than a sideways spanner, so it's easier to turn in tight corners. So anyway, managed to get the bulb off, change the water, <laughs> put it back on again. And I was like, it took, it took, and it take it almost like an evening and a half. It took. It was just, oh, but anyway, it's it's fixed. I'm just left with a 
and now twice the size watermark on my ceiling that I need to paint to get off again. Disaster. So, disaster. But anyway, that's been my week. Well, I'm going to have term this week. Uh, just, just by the way, uh, so we've, we've got rid of egg chat, have we? Well, well, it's Easter's coming up soon, so let's not. Oh, let's not oh, go oh yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, no, good thinking. Yeah. Well, I went. I, I did a big shop. I did the big shop, and I bought. And we, well, I normally only buy six eggs, and I bought twelve this time round. And I think I was influenced by egg chat. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, but then to be influenced this week. Oh, that and Moe and Ali getting selected. Yeah, yeah. more and more influence from yeah. uh, from uh, us. So how have you enjoyed half term? Well, it's been pretty boring, hasn't it? There's <laughs> not a lot to do. <laughs> uh, what did I do today? Bought, uh, I bought, bought some new Pokemon cards for Teddy to play with. Exciting. Bought Luke a new toy. And then bought myself two new games as well. Because I can't let them have all the fun, can I? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, and then big things, wasn't it? It was Valentine's Day on Sunday. It was, cool. yeah. So um, did did you do anything for Valentine's Day, any of you? Yeah, I went out. You went out? Broke to sure. a restaurant. Broke to a restaurant, had the restaurant to ourselves. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Who cooked? Or was it just microwave? Just microwave. Whatever. Just, we took the food with us. There's no point, no point messing about when we get in there. Did you do anything or not? Uh, no, our kids just went to bed early. We just had we we had dinner actually, just the two of us sat at the table, which was the, one of the strangest things in the world because we haven't done it for a, what felt like nearly a year. What did you do, Simon? No, I worked a twelve-hour shift, so no. I worked until ten, so it wasn't well. It wasn't I, a day for you, romance. I said to Claire, so I got her a card, and Claire made me a card, and then I said, uh, "We'll just have a." takeaway but not just like a Chinese we'll get one from a restaurant spend a bit more money on it I said that'll be my treat to you and then uh, when it came around to ordering I had to order and uh, they only take cash only when I didn't have any cash on me so Claire had to pay <laughs> <laughs> the classic the classic who's doing cash only at this point in the lockdown oh, yeah like, I have no idea it seemed, it seemed very odd yeah <laughs> She, that's what they said. Claire phoned up, so I don't know. Yeah, but cash only. Well, so. what, they, what did you have? We had uh, Anatolian Grill in Presswich. Oh yeah, yeah. There. So we just well, was that. it good? In the, what What was that takeaway game like? It's just the restaurant menu. It's, it's quite nice. Well, it's just exactly the same actually. It just tastes the same. There's a bit more DIY, and so you have to put a bit of sauce on your stuff yourself. But yeah, it's nice. So we had that, and then obviously after that, uh, what was it? Tuesday was Pancake Day, wasn't it? Yes. Special day is coming thick and fast, which makes me think. Glad, glad I bought them twelve eggs now. <laughs> well, what, so what did you do for Pancake Day? Well, we didn't actually do. So I only realised like midway through the day it was Pancake Day. So then, luckily, I had all the ingredients in to make pancake mixture um son just said after tea oh we'll have pancakes for tea and teddy said no initially and then i had to convince him it was pancake day so we'd actually have some <laughs> so i just made some pancakes i mean mainly so i could 
toss some pancakes in a frying pan, really. Yeah. I don't actually think pancakes are that nice. Are they? Do you like pancakes? Are you like taking them? Pancakes. Sugar and we, lemon type of Ashley has chocolate on Ashley has chocolate on hers. The kids have chocolate on theirs. We have pancakes all year round. Yeah, we're we're a bit like that. No, we're, we're not. regular. We had, I, I I feel like I, we had a real sort of moment a few years ago, being like, "Oh, we're grown ups now. We can have pancakes whenever we want." <laughs> we're grown ups now. Char- we can, have, we can char- act like children whenever we want. Exactly. I'm in charge of my own <laughs> food, <laughs> my own diet. I had three types of pancakes. I had pancakes for breakfast, yeah. um, like blueberry pancakes for breakfast. Did you then have different styles? Did you have like crepes yeah. and American pancakes? So the, the pancakes we have for breakfast are like sort of smaller, uh, thicker, sort of thicker one. The American style. Yeah, slightly American style. For lunch, uh, cheese and ham like a savoury pancake. Oh. Um, and then for tea, your, your classic pancakes. Um, lemon juice, sugar. Put a little bit of chocolate spread on one of them. But um, I like I'm root one and a bit of maple syrup as well. I'm fairly root one with your pancake. I think you can overcomplicate it. What, and also, we had some like uh, we had quite a little bit of fruit on it. You know, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries. Well, Claire, um, when so when I did them for the kids, Claire started cutting up some fruit. So I said you could have chocolate spread, and Claire said, "Oh, you could put some fruit on as well." So she chops up some fruit. So she chops up strawberries, which I thought classic. Chocolate and strawberries go together. Banana, yeah. Classic that goes together, chocolate and banana. Then uh, an orange, which I thought was a bit. Although you get chocolate orange, you don't tend to have chocolate <laughs> and orange, do you? And then a pear as well. A pear, yeah. Taste sensation. I mean, a lot of the pear. A lot when I came around to it because obviously I was cooking them. So I did the kids first, then Claire's pancakes, and it's mine. There was a lot of pear left at the end. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, and how 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 did pancake date go down in uh, in Chateau Cheesy? Oh, we love it. So it's a uh, we bought um, we got ahead of the game and we bought some. Um, we actually bought a, like a, a you know the shakers that you get. Yeah. Um, so we got um, when I when before we had COVID, like we went when when we went to Astra, I bought one because Ashley said just look out for any of the air there then just pick one up because we've been out before and, and whenever we've been shopping, they've never had them whenever we've been getting them on the big shop for pancake day. So the only ones that they had was like oh, this pink, like pink pancakes. So I was like, no, oh, I feel like they're the only ones we've got. So like, I'll get one and we'll see what it's like. And obviously if it's nice and we, I can get some more on it's pancake day. They were absolutely rank. <laughs> <laughs> they were absolutely horrible. I was like, these are, these are, these are a no-go. But we, luckily enough, we managed to, um, we went, Shopping on Friday, so we managed uh, last week, so we managed to get some. Uh, but yeah, we I think we had them for. I think Ashley and Grace had them for breakfast. I, I'm not a big fan of pancakes for breakfast, but we had uh, we had breakfast. Uh, we had pancakes for breakfast and um, and pudding. We didn't have them for tea, but we had them for pudding after tea. So yeah, it's, it's yeah we have we have pancakes quite a lot throughout the year in our house. Well, I saw on TikTok, must have been today or yesterday, that you can buy this. You know, you get the uh, dispensers, so you put your mixture in, and then you can press the button, and like it comes out the bottom. Oh, like if you're buying them from like a stall and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. it's one of them, 
But on top, the lid, it's got an electric motor in and then a built-in whisk. So all you do is chuck in all your ingredients and then turn it on and then it's a dispenser as well. I thought that was quite oh, wow. clever. That's very clever. Yeah, I thought that was a that was one of them good. What um what I would what I would have liked, Ross, is if you prepped your pancake mix a few days before and yeah. maybe you could have put it in the uh, in the beer pump. <laughs> what dispensed. dispensed and then just poured out into the frying pan from there. That would have been yeah, and you know what else I could have done? Because I've got one of those water dispensers in my fridge as well. That you had that you top up, it's not a it's not a plumbed in one. So I could have filled that with it as well. Yeah. I mean, I've often thought about just putting wine in that, to be honest. But I've never actually gone through <laughs> it. I tell you what, the worst thing was I made after I did the pancakes for the puddings, the kids were like, Oh yeah, they were great. And then I had some spare mixture left over. So I put it in the fridge thinking, Oh, can I have pancakes for breakfast? Because it was my turn to get up with them. So they started saying, uh, oh, I want breakfast. I said, oh, do you want some pancakes? No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Oh, weren't that great last night then, were they? Clearly. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't think, I don't, my entire childhood, I don't think I've, I ever turned down pancakes. No, I was very excited by them all the time. Yeah, that's an incredible uh, level of discipline from your, from your children. Well, no, because then they had waffles and chocolate spread, so they didn't... Uh-huh. It's not like they had something healthy afterwards. They it's have... not like they went, no, no, we want we want some of that pear in the day left over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they have they have toast with chocolate spread every single morning for the breakfast. So. Yeah, they're not they're not going for the health option. Anyway, have you been up to anything else, Simon? Well, so, much, so I actually did this a few weeks ago, but I keep forgetting to bring it up uh whenever we have this podcast. I went to a new part of Heaton Park. Did you? Is this yeah. going to be a part that everyone knows about that you've just discovered? May well be, but <laughs> it was new for me. And so I'm 31 years old. I've lived within walking distance of Heaton Park, I would say probably for about 20 years, maybe maybe more than 20 years of my life. So I've been to Heaton Park a lot. And in the last year in particular, I've been to Heaton Park a lot. So it's very rare I come across a new bit at this stage, even as, as vast as Eaton Park is. Do you know, and, and I, I Google mapped it, it was called The Secret Lake. The Secret Lake? Have you, so have either of you two ever been? Well, is this the bit of light I told you that, that Ross missed out? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you where it is. It's kind of near the back of Paranthorn High School. Right. It's sort of behind the reservoir. So, you know, like where that, the park that I sort of think of as the new park, but actually I think it's, it's been there quite a while now. If you're coming in through, say, Margaret's Road. So if you're going up as if you're going to the big... Uh, where, the, where that massive slide is, you sort yeah. of drive past, you go past where the bowls are. Yeah, so you're going up that road, up to the car park at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Where that big... And then you you sort of go along, and then you take a left turn, and it's kind of it's basically there's it's the field behind that massive the, the massive telephone thing, right? So you go across that field, and there are bulls in that field, so you've got to be careful. Are you allowed in this field? Yeah, it is. it's a footpath. It's a footpath, mate. With bulls? 
with balls, you, you, you've got to be careful. Can't go. <laughs> <laughs> you climb over a little stile, you go down, and there's another lake. Well, no, I haven't been there. I, thought, I mean, and the, the fact you said the, there's live balls in the field is probably why I haven't been there, to be honest. I mean, we've got our we've got our first destination for our post lockdown walk, boys. I feel. <laughs> I mean, no I, bears before bulls, obviously, but um... I, ha- <laughs> I have been to the beehives because there's a lot of beehives there, isn't there, in Heaton Park? What? Yeah, there you oh, go. Oh, look at this. This is what's this all about? I mean, I've, I've not got anything to bring to the Heaton Park conversation, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like I reckon, that a bit. I reckon it. Well, we're looking at 20 years since I've found a new part of Eaton Park, and now you're telling me I'm <laughs> going to find two new parts of Eaton Park in a month. Now, I don't actually know if this is open to the public, because I've been with school. Um, but if you go up the same place, but on the road before you get to the car park, on the left-hand side, there's, like, there's the little paths, and if you, it's a bit overgrown. If you go through there, then it opens up, and it's like manned beehives. And, you know, um, there's a little pie shop, Near the church, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, Near I think old so. Bank. And it says in the window, local honey sold here. And the honey's from the bees in Heaton Park. Wow. So how close did you get? So I went, well, I could see them. So I think we went, we just kind of walked around with school because we had a bit of a morning to fill, like on one of the vocational days. So we went there because there wasn't a lot to do. And then... Yeah, saw these, saw these, saw the the beehives stood up. So there you go. But how close are you allowed to get to a beehive? Well, Well, as close as you are. Yeah. (laughs) But do you not get stung if you get too close? No, because I think you you only get stung if like you're bothering them. Why do people wear those daft white outfits? Because they're going to bother them, aren't they? They're going to go in the hive, aren't they? (laughs) Try and get the honey. So I mean, what can you get within a meter of it? I'd say so. I mean, I didn't, but yeah, I guess so. I suppose you could do, yeah. Uh, I'm not taking this as professional advice. I mean, you're not filling me with confidence. You could probably get as close as you want to get to that bull in that field, Simon, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that classic no no bears before bees or bulls. I mean, what do you want (laughs) to... I suppose, yeah, the the saying is fairly (laughs) self-explanatory, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, so, yeah, well, yeah, that was that was the uh, yeah, it's been the highlight of my year so far. Anyway, well, what about how about you, cheesy? I mean, it, it does show what a quite a slow year it is. Well, that, yeah, <laughs> you take you you can get these. <laughs> oh, cheesy's done nothing else apart from repair his bathroom, has he? Oh, God, yeah. I've had, no, nothing, nothing else. I've had, I've had. Um, what else did I have on Friday? I had an MLT. Uh, which was pretty dull at the past. Um, and um, I've just, there's some bits of, there's there's a little bit of the floor that I've might have cocked up a bit that I now can't fix. So I now need to make the decision of whether some of the floor gets come up or not, or whether I try and fill it with something that I'm not quite sure what to fill it with. So. Uh, every, ta- every time each week after we do this show, this podcast, and talk to you about your week, Cheesy, and the amount of DIY that you do. I think, am I walking around with my eyes shut in my house? And there must be loads of stuff <laughs> that's going on that I'm just missing. I don't, because I don't seem to do half as much DIY. I don't know if I'm just not as fussy. Oh, that pipe's leaking. Sod it. Leave it. 
And, and no. the stuff you are doing, Ross, is, is fairly external, isn't it? You know, you're, you're doing your outdoor seating arrangement. Well, exactly, yeah. Yeah. I have just, your, your house has been built a lot longer than mine. Yes, it should be more problems then, shouldn't there? Yeah, I've got... No, I've got this. I've got I've got, I've got quite a lot. I've got a bit of painting to do. My uh, I've got some gaps to fill on my stairs where the, where it's settled. I've oh, only really we... tried to do this in the last year, so I have I, kind of. I mean, you think you've been walking around with your eyes closed? I've been walking around with my eyes closed for about four years, just going out. There'll, <laughs> there'll be a point in my life where I'll be able to get that fixed, and that point was last March. So, <laughs> since then, I've been like, oh, we need to get that done. We need to get this. We need to get this done. So. Actually, we went to B&Q this week as well with the intention of buying some paint to paint our bedroom. And uh, we went, and we went to the Valspar section, which is the place with all the colour charts. We're like the Dulux colour charts. You can pick any, oh, yeah. and they mix it up for you. Yeah. It's yeah. quite good fun, that, isn't it? Well, so we went, and we picked bas- like the same shade of blue three times, basically. And we- I said to Claire, go and get some tester pots for these. Claire went over and said, can I have some tester pots? The woman said, they only do light colour tester pots, not dark colours. I thought, yeah. oh, yeah, sounds a bit strange. So her advice to Claire was when she had these, like the business card size, aren't they, these the samples, was to yeah. basically hold the card at arm's length against the wall. I thought, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not really what... <laughs> sure. So their advice is just imagine what it'll be like. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Because yeah. that is that is the stage you're at when you get the tester pot. You've yeah. imagined yeah. it. You thought, this might be nice. I, I want to see this a bit bigger, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to see this on the wall, painted. <laughs> so that's kind, wow. of, that's kind of set us back a little bit as to where we actually like. Because, I mean, if you get one of those paints mixed up, you can't take it back, can you? No. No. And it's a, a 30 quid's an awful lot for a tester pot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I tell you what, we we mistakenly walked around into the Faro and Ball section and started looking at their samples. Oh, do you, want, do you want a bit of a hack? What? So this happened to us. There was a colour that we liked that only Faro and Ball did. You take that colour and you take that to the bit in B&Q where they'll mix you a new colour. And they'll get it for cheaper. There you go. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. That, yeah, the, the stuff being that the they will... We'll make any colour you want bit was cheaper than the Farrow and Ball. So we just took well, the Farrow and Ball sample. At 50 quid a tin for Farrow and Ball. Exactly. It's madness, isn't it? You, you, stop, looking at the, you stop looking at the you stop looking at the colour of the paint and just look at the price of how much it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, well, suddenly suddenly your, your mood's getting a lot darker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we love that, but not that price. Yeah, 50 quid for a tin of paint. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you're doing one coat in those situations, aren't you? It felt like saying, we'll just go to the craft shop and just get some poster paint, Claire. We'll mix it ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Cheesy, what are we talking about? Um, so we will talk about the football. So there's been, obviously, Premier League this weekend. Um, there is also a game going on at the moment uh, between Manchester City and Everton. And we will talk about the Champions League. If you want to talk about the Champions League, uh, and then, um, what a difference a week makes in the cricket. Um, clearly, if you uh, bat first, you're going to win. Um, so we will uh, talk about England's defeat um, in the cricket um, this week. Um, and that's all we've got. And we'll see where that gets us. So we will be back and uh, talk about the football after this.
Welcome back to the Three Thirds Mank One Third Scouts podcast, and we will start um, in League One this week, where um, a referee incident caught your attention, Ross. Yeah, so um, Ipswich played, and I can't remember who they're playing. Oh, against Northampton, uh, and referee Darren Drysdale. Uh, uh, Ipswich went went through in the 90th minutes to score, um, and then. Their midfielder, uh, who went through into the penalty box, uh, went down, but Darren Drysdale gave a free kick for diving um, to Northampton. This then prompted a reaction from players, as you usually expect when this, is, when this has gone on. And then all that can be described is handbags happened, that the referee, instead of staying neutral, kind of carried on walking towards um, the Ipswich midfielder. And then the heads kind of came together. And then some Northampton players came and uh, pushed them away. Um, now, I, I have a bit of... Now, it, when, the first, when it first happened, there was a bit of... This, I mean, it wasn't massive because it was on... It's League One, isn't it? But um, there's a bit of a thing on Twitter, basically saying, oh, it's unacceptable, this and that from the, from the referee, which obviously it is, and the referee shouldn't act like that. But I thought... They might have a stick in abuse that referees must get. They're only human at the end of the day. The amount of times players like do the whole head-to-head thing, it seems stupid, doesn't it? And do you remember a few years? Well, obviously more than a few years. When um, Kalina did it, didn't he, with someone? Do you remember that? Yeah, I yeah. think I do remember that. But everyone play- praised Kalina as like, look at him, what an outstanding referee is and look how he stamps his authority on the game whereas now it's, it's seen differently I just thought I just don't know if he's been harshly harshly treated in the way he's, he's now going to get because he's been charged by the FA for improper conduct or charged by the Premier the PGMOL or whatever it is called I just didn't know if it's a bit harsh because of the amount of stick that referees have to put up with it's one of them things isn't it where I think if he probably stands his ground or moves forward, but it's, it's it's almost like the head thing's kind of ruined it. Like as soon as players have gone, like you can be absolutely screaming at one another players and, and match officials or anything like that. And as soon as like the head's touched, that's it. It's almost like cards out, you need to get sent off. So I think if you can kind of still, you can almost kind of still stand your ground and keep your decision. But it, I don't know, as soon as you kind of head's touch, there's, that's the bit where it kind of crosses the line, which is, it, in yeah. real terms, it just, it just seems really odd, I think. It's just the way managers went, like like Paul Lambert, who's the Ipswich manager, was instantly going after him, asking for apologies and saying this and that. And I thought, I just thought it's a bit rich considering the amount of stuff that players do continuously on a football pitch. And there's no, there's no level of expectation for apologies or this or that from them. And then a referee who's only human, and I only imagine something was said that caused him to react like that, then I don't know, it's almost as if he's the worst person that would like it. It just seemed a bit un, unfair, the level of treatment that happened. But yeah, it's Did, just uh, interesting. Would it have been, I mean, was was the decision almost for point? Would Did, did it which need the, the goal to, for a point or three points or what? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was a draw at the time. I can't tell you the importance of the game from the, <laughs> within the league. Um, no, but I mean, if but if it was a draw when it happened, then obviously it, it yeah, it would have been for the win. win. It was 90th minute, yeah, yeah, for the win. Um, I mean, not that it should really matter, but no, I just 
I, I just thought it was quite interesting. I'm obviously you don't see referees out like that that often, do you? So, um, I mean, to be honest, Ipswich are eleventh, they're mid table, and Northampton are relegation. So it's not like each thing we're playing yeah. for anything. I think it's probably more to do with they'll have like they'll have been. It's almost like the managing conflict. But we call it like managing conflict at work. So they'll have been given like instructions of what to do when situations happen. And that probably just goes against everything that the re- that referees have probably been told. Because as we've just said, like more, most referees will either kind of either stand the ground or not move or they will retreat and kind of diffuse the situation. And that's what, that's what they'll have been told to do and not, I don't know. I don't know whether I, without watching it, it's hard to tell whether he antagonizes it. But as soon as you make that step towards the player who's who's clearly coming after you because he thinks were, that he's made the wrong both, decision, yeah, they both kind of walk to each other. I wouldn't say like he he was the one chasing after the midfield. Like it's more yeah. kind of coming together, and then he didn't look like he was backing down either, which was probably gone against him. But I just don't know what's been said in the way. I just think the way nothing's been. Nothing's been said about the dive that's happened. Nothing's been said about maybe what the Ipswich midfielder said to the referee to, to prompt the reaction. Because obviously, if you've been a referee for any length of time, you're going to be used to some level of abuse. Yeah. Um, was it was it a dive? I mean, I haven't seen that. It looked looked on the edge of. I don't know. I don't think it was clear cut, but it's the decision that's been made, and that's what you have to go with, isn't it? But it goes down to the fact that it's a distinct lack of respect for referees in football isn't there which is similar to why Mike Dean had to I mean sticking with referees and we didn't say we were going to talk about this but Mike Dean not reffing at the weekend because he was getting death threats which from a particular game or just in general no uh, what was the game that he refereed he had a bit of a nightmare in a game didn't he I can't remember what game it was was it the um was it the West Ham game? It was the West Ham game where Suchek got sent off, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Suchek caught the Fulham player by accident with his elbow and then it went to the VAR and then still went to the monitor and obviously it looked oh, accidental and very accidental and then Mike Dean continued with the red card. Um, so he gave the red card to begin with? He gave the red card and then it's been reviewed and then it... it... Ah, right. So it was ultimately the BIR has said, look, it's all on you, mate. You made the decision and then... Clearly yeah, and then he's had death threats and then he had to apply to... Well, he said basically he do not want a referee that weekend because the death threats he's had, which... That's a bit far. That's a bit much, isn't it? Yeah, but it's... I just think... I think referees are in a very difficult position, especially no, with the... Um, are they... Are they... And I say this with great respect... The very low level you play at, Ross. <laughs> Does, yeah. um, I imagine the referee often. You tell me the referee get, often gets a lot of stick. Yes. Does the ref ever bite back? In a uh, sort of actually, this isn't a professional referee who's had the sort of training cheesy alludes to. This is Steve, a builder who's just doing this for an extra twenty quid on a Saturday morning. No. No, no, but I also think a lot of the times referees won't bite back because if you're going to bite back against one player, they've got 15 other people, haven't they? Whereas you're on yeah. your own, so you really, you really hoping the opposition will take yeah, your side. <laughs> it's not in your, it's not in your interest to bite back, is it? So I, I think some, some, some referees obviously trying to hurt their authority. And but you've said that, that before. Yeah. You've said that before, where you've had. 
you've had referees who think the the referee in the World Cup final, and the, yeah, well, yeah, some some take it really serious there. Yeah. But I mean, they, they never. But then at the same time, I've never really seen it get to a point where there's been threats or like it's come to blows with a referee. I've never really seen it get to that point either. So, are there any of the referees in sort of the league you play in who have a sort of aura of they're really not going to take any shit? Like you wouldn't want to mess with them too much. Uh, we had. Uh, no, not especially. I mean, we tend. This is the other thing. We tend to get palmed off with some of the worst refs, um, and not worse in terms of like they think that we've had some who think like the the Billy Big Balls of the whole thing. But a lot of them are just they're literally there to turn up to collect the thirty quid, and so they're a bit they're so poor that they, they can't keep up with play, or they're they're really old, and they tell you before the game that their eyesight's gone. So they can't see anything like <laughs> things like that. So we tend to have that, but obviously you still give stick and they still argue. But I, I mean, I, we're quite. I mean, I know we've had quite a lot of red cards, but we're generally quite a friendly team, I think. But yeah, well, there is also the team as well. You can almost like if if the decisions kind of I don't know I was what. The decision's not gone your way, and and your team are, are unhappy about it. And then you kind of you start on the ref. There is eleven other players of the other team that surely wouldn't just stand by to go. Well, we'll just let get this ref, let it get his head kicked in, whilst um, well, yeah, that's the, yeah. And I mean, the other thing when I like being cap, like uh, when I'm captain, like say our say our players start having a go at the ref, I try and stop that as quickly as possible because I I've that, the ref hasn't turned up to annoy us as much as he can. Like he's turned up to basically put our game on and collect his money. And the other thing, like, at our level, referees are spiteful. So you, you keep having a go and keep having a go. All they do is give more three, free kicks to the other team. So it, it doesn't really help you at the end of the day. So so I try and diffuse things going, like, as much as, as you can. But, yeah, it's not... I just, I just think more and more, and especially the, the VAR things that are happening, that refs are under so much scrutiny and they're under so much scrutiny not necessarily that they're getting decisions wrong but that the laws of the game aren't right and they're just applying the laws of the game and then it's all getting all the blame's getting put on the referee when all they're doing is following what they should be doing basically well the thing last year was it was almost you could if, if it was a tight decision you'd almost get that you'd almost get the commentator saying well He's in an impossible situation. How is he supposed to see what it is that the cameras can see? Like, oh, we want VAR. And now that we've got it, it's like, well, that's just incredible. How is he given that decision? Well, that's just the whole, that's the conversation that we were having 18 months ago. And now that we've got it, they're applying what feels like every every letter of the law um, to the situations that are happening. And then pe- the people are unhappy about what it is that what it is that they're doing and, and how they're seeing the game. So I don't know, it's just... It's just I mean, I think it would be interesting. Like, I, I was thinking about this, especially with Mike Dean, obviously, getting his death threats. And then, obviously, the, the amount um, the racist abuse online has been coming up a lot, hasn't it, recently, um, with players. And a lot of players actually speaking out. Because so, I imagine most players, after most games, get some sort of racist abuse. And this is probably going on for all the time after every game. But now it seems that players are actually saying when it's happening more and more. But I also think, like, what if referees or players just said, you know what, we're just gonna we're not we're not gonna play this weekend. Or referees are not gonna turn up this weekend. But does it need something as drastic yeah. as that to stop things happening? 
Well, and then there'd be a sort of moment where people appreciate them a bit more. Yeah, exactly. You go, oh, actually, God. Well, and then you suddenly well, get in the Premier League. You suddenly get that, Sunday that, League refs that you're going up. Union, Ross. No, <laughs> I just I don't know. I'd be thinking, but anyway. But but like like you said though, the, at the minute they're playing in an empty stadium. So if you make if you make a bad pass or you got some player that's out of form, or I mean, you, you could have an entire team that's out of form. Um, but there's and there's nobody in the stadium to kind of that's on your back or you think about it, you have 40,000 people like screaming at you because you've done something wrong then there isn't that there isn't that there isn't there's no racist views coming from when they're playing like we've had in seasons before that actually it, they can just go out and play football and, and enjoy it I don't, I almost just get back to just get get back to that point of just kicking a ball around the field and not really having to kind of worry too much about what's happening in the stadium because there's nobody there Whereas as soon as they step out of that those ninety minutes, those hundred minutes that they're playing football for, then everybody that has got everything to say that can easily just access them will now just do it online after they've just watched the the game because everybody can now see the games because the the they're live. So it's just um, almost just feels like a bit of a melting pot that that they've kind of landed in because of the situation that we're that we're in. Most most people go to the football screen for ninety minutes and that's it. They've they've. They've, come, they've had enough they've screened for 90 minutes and that's it and it, it goes no further and it feels like it's just everything's just been balled over to we have to talk on social media because that's our only outlet now we can't go to the game for yeah, it's probably, it's probably it's amplified it. it it's probably amplified it but like I say I imagine that it was still going on oh yeah absolutely even after there'd still be people watching at home or there'd still be people in the stadiums that wouldn't like what happened and would want to say it just like directly to them via social media, but I just I don't know. I like I mean, there's a lot of talk about what can happen. I mean, we never we weren't planning on getting involved in the racist um, debate, but I just think uh, talking and obviously they're taking a knee, like they're all nice gestures, but I don't know. Until, until, until some yeah, until something starts dramatically impacting on fans' experience or like impacts it up, then. I don't think it's really going to matter to a lot of people, and unless you stop, like 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 you say now, the the, amount, the ways to access games of even if you get banned from a stadium, say there are still there are enough pubs out there that have dodgy streams and matches going on that you can still meet up with your mates before and stay in the pub and watch the game and then do that. So you still have your day out. So unless I don't know, I was just thinking unless players actually do something drastic like refuse to play, like in the the NBA did it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so unless things drastic, things like that. So it's not unprecedented for sports stars to actually do it. And then obviously the uh, Premier League might start taking it seriously because, as we all know, they're all about making as much money as they can. They're not playing. They're not having matches. Affects them, doesn't it? But also, you need social media to take it seriously. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, Twitter and Facebook and it. Yeah, the the, the the social media sites haven't done anything for a very long time, have they? And then it was like, uh, and, yeah. Instagram came out, was it this week or last week, and said, oh, they're appalled by the level of abuse that goes on. I thought, like, you're only just appalled now. Like, what, what has been the tipping point up until this? Like, what's you, you, everything else has been acceptable to this point, but now you're appalled at what goes on. Well, the dreadful thing is that if you, if you post something on Twitter or on any of these social media sites, there's a copyright infringement for which they are then sort of at risk of someone suing them, they're very quick to take that down. So they have the ability to pick these, thing, pick these things up quickly and take them down quickly. Yet with racism, they choose to just 
sort of, oh, yeah, sorry, we've only just realised. Yeah. Oh, it's taken 24 hours to notice this. You know, if someone's posted a Premier League goal that they're not, uh, who doesn't have the yeah, rights yeah, to post yeah. they're, they're fast enough to pick up on that, but... Do you think the whole? I mean, just going onto the social media thing. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of thing about this identification to um, to sign up to it in the first place. I mean, is that too much? Is that is that just enough? Is that not enough? Do you, I mean, what do you two think about that? Because that to me just seems like perfect sense. You yeah, are this, I'm, not, you I'm are, not against the idea. Yeah. You are this person, you're not. You, you can't just be a, a a keyboard warrior in a dark room that you, nobody actually knows who you are. You are, if you want to be, you want to make your own name. Well, that's fine, but it's a this account is attached to this person. This person is the person that's sending those, those messages out. I'm, I mean, surely that's just common sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this is getting very big thinking, isn't it? I mean, I'm not. I, I mean, me personally, I'm not against it. I'm not bothered by it because I'm. I, I go on social media basically to see what everyone else is doing. I very rarely post things. I retweet a lot of stuff. Very rarely put my yeah. own things out there. And even if I do put my own things out there, it's not controversial. I'm not slagging anyone off, basically. Or I might you're say... Not inciting, you're not inciting capital riots. No, saying, I, I might say Michael, <laughs> Owen, Michael Owen is a terrible pundit, and that's about the worst it gets. But that's, that's, <laughs> I don't think Michael Owen's going to lose any sleep over that, to be honest. Yes, <laughs> another difference between you and the Donald. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, all... But, you but, and that man get further and further apart. <laughs> but I just think, like... I would have nothing wrong, but then there'll be lots of people that say impinge on your civil liberties, don't it? That you, the harvesting data, and you can't have, you can't be this, you can't be that, you can't like. It's, I don't know. And then you say even mentioning Trump, how long did it take Twitter to block Donald Trump from Twitter? No matter what he was saying, and no matter what nonsense he was putting on. Well, it took him so long. It almost it happened almost at the point when he stopped being really loose. Yeah, exactly. And when he stopped being president, yeah. When yeah. he's no longer important to Twitter, yeah. I used to, yeah. I brought that up as trying to have a quick chat, but it's ended up. To... <laughs> we've, got well, a long I mean... way, we've got a long way from this referee at Ipswich. <laughs> oh, no, it's amazing what happens when you... Well, the, the thing is, the reason I haven't had much to contribute to this section is that what I thought about before this section of, of the programme was um, that I was going to say that Manchester United need to sign a new centre-half in the summer. And I thought that... It's not as relevant as I thought it was going to be. I didn't know the conversation would <laughs> go this way. Well, don't even deny until we started talking. <laughs> but anyway, let's go to so you, you well, know, need a new centre half, Simon. I mean, just before you just before you mention that, Simon, this is what happens when you close the pubs. This is what happens when the three of us get together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could we could have had this conversation on Friday in the pub. <laughs> I, dry, I cannot wait for the day. We'll go for a walk around the new section. <laughs> <laughs> Only if we have the ball. Out some new social media guidelines while we're there. <laughs> so new centre half, new centre half to partner who, Simon? So, well, Manchester United of the weekend, a very uh, what was quite a dull match. I was I was at work, so I wasn't able to fully concentrate on it. And because it was such a boring match, I was hardly concentrating at all on it. Um, we drew we draw one all with West Brom, who are obviously not a very good team, uh, but they're sort of getting in the, the the big Sam mechanism is starting to fall into place at, at West Brom. So they're now very dull. They'll lump it forward. They've got a striker who'll knock it in. Um, they scored a goal. A guy just climbed all over Victor Lindelof, who came in for a lot of criticism afterwards. Now, I'm not actually anti-Victor Lindelof. 
Um, oh, if it was up to me, I think Manchester United's best central defence partnership is uh, Maguire and Bailly uh, when fit. But Ollie sees it differently. Ollie is always, whenever they're all in big games and whenever they're all fit, he goes with Maguire and Lindelof. And I've is always ba- felt Lindelof. Is Bailly not fit? Is Bailly not fit again? Or no, no, Bailly is fit. But yeah, I, no, I I heard that Bailly um, when it was Isa, he his car he crashed his car coming out oh. of training, so he is actually injured. Can't catch oh, a break. In general, even when they are all fit, in big games, Ollie does go back to uh, Maguire and Lindelof, um, which is something I disagree with. But fair enough to Ollie. He probably knows more about football than me. I'm, I'm accepting of that. Um, <laughs> that's, big, that's big of you, Simon. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, <laughs> the sort of humility that we need more. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, basically, I think Lindelof is a little bit lightweight. I think if you put a top quality centre-half next to Harry Maguire, you would have a good partnership. I think we thought, I thought when we signed Maguire, he was going to have the impact to the Manchester United defence that uh, Virgil van Dijk had at Liverpool. And it would be like, this one guy would just drag us to being a really good defensive unit. That hasn't quite happened. But I think he has the, I think he's good enough that if you put him next to another really good centre-half. And, um, you know, United are getting linked with, with defenders. I would have liked to see a sign one last summer. It didn't happen then. I think it will happen this summer. And then, you know, and, and the, the rest of the defences has sort of fallen into play. I think Aaron Wambasak has really evolved over the last sort of 18 months. Luke Shaw's probably playing the best football he's played in his career, or definitely his best football at Manchester United in terms of consistency. And then Maguire plus one more would be would be my sort of ideal defence for United going forward. I mean, just just talking about central defenders, you mentioned Lindelof there, and about and, and the impact that Van Dijk is. Wasn't that the wasn't that the choice that United had? Wasn't that the story that Charlie Austin spoke? I, mean, I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast, but didn't he? Didn't Charlie Austin tell that story on Talksport about two months ago that he was sat on the bench at, at Southampton with um, with Van Dijk, and he was he thought that he was on his way to United. I think I don't know if it was the summer that Liverpool didn't stump up the money from Southampton, or whether it was a transfer window before. Um, but he said that he was on the bench with Van Dijk and he, he was pretty much sure that he was going to uh, United. And then a day later, they signed uh, Lindelof and six months later, he ends up at Liverpool. Yeah, I did hear that. But then I, I always... Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, didn't work. it didn't happen, did it? So there's not a lot we can do about it. But I, I tend to agree. I'm not anti-Lindelof either, Simon. I just, I'm anti-Lindelof-Maguire, I think. I'm anti that partnership. Like, for me, you could keep Lindelof. And if you got... See, I don't understand why, also, Toon Zabie doesn't get played more. Because well, he had that bad game the other week, didn't he? But yeah, I'm a big Twan Zabie fan. But he's a young... still He's a young lad still learning still learning to play. And he fits the uh, fast athletic mould that Harry Maguire needs next to him uh, in order to... From, to be successful because Lindelof isn't that let's be fair um, so I don't understand why and Zabi doesn't get more so yeah I could go with having another centre half and, me- and the only reason I would do it is because I would say you cut your losses with Baye to say look you just we just can't rely on you and then you could have a four of 
Lindelof, Maguire, Tuinze, bit and another. And then you could also, Lind- Lindelof and Maguire, they could be your, your more. It would be either step- or. Yeah, your slow, then. steady, methodical ones. And then you'd have Tunes AB and another athletic, quick one, which would allow well, it, the, the line so to Phil Well, <laughs> in his testimonial, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, the game, I was thinking about the game and I did think, I mean, I think at the time, I was so annoyed that it was West Brom and they are so poor that we did end up drawing. But like you say, Sam, like, his January signing, he made a, quite a few January signings, uh, Allardyce, didn't they? they? They've had a few games now to click in. It was a big game against United for them all to show what they were about. They got the goal early, which really suited them because then they've got something to sit back on. And then we, once, we got the, once we got the equaliser, I thought, oh, well, we're probably going to kick off in the second, kick on in the second half and get more. And we didn't. And at the time, I was thinking, God, we are. Absolutely poor because we create, we haven't created. It's not like to me, it didn't feel like we've been knocking the door, knocking the door, knocking the door, last ditch defending, last ditch defending. But then thinking about it, I think we hit the bar or the post, we've had a couple cleared off the line. So, and we fizzed quite a few balls right in between that, that corridor, between the center halves and the keeper, and it's gone right across. And just if someone would have been on the, on the front foot moving to it, then we would have had an easy tap in. So although at the time I was really down and negative about it, and I was thinking, God, this is bad. Another day, that could have been a little bit of movement, like two yards here, two yards there. That could have been three, four, five, one that we end up winning. In in general, I think we look a bit tired. I think, you know, it's been three or four months now of just constant Saturday, midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. And I think it is starting to catch up with us. Even, like, Bruno looked a bit tired. Yeah, I think maybe... I, I think, obviously... I mean, two things with Fnatic. I do, I do think he looks tired. Pogba being injured or out or whatever he is. I mean, I never yeah. thought I'd say it. Probably hasn't helped us because he was a... He was a... Playing really well before he actually went out. And then he, he's now missed quite a few games on without really realising what it's been, like three, four, five games, maybe. Which is quite a lot, really. And then and then Van der Beek, to me, the fact that, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with training, why he isn't playing, but the fact that he's not been integrated more, we've not been able to maybe find his best position or get the best out of him to rotate the midfield a bit more. Um, but yeah, and then obviously we're, we're really reliant on the front three, aren't we? Cavani's now becoming a mainstay at number nine, rightly so. Martial's really dropped off in terms of what he's been producing. Um Greenwood's not in the heights of last season, so he's not scored for he's not scoring as many as what he was. Um so yeah, we probably are a bit tired. Um I mean are you are you two talking about Manchester United or Liverpool here? Problems at centre half, problems in centre <laughs> and your and your front three not as effective as last season. No, no, because our captain can run pre- properly. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I, w- I would be careful because the game that you, you've just described, I mean, with the exception of West Brom scoring first, you've just described the game that we played against them because the goal they scored against us, their player climbed all over the back of Fabinho before he nodded it in and then we've only gone on to win two of the next 10. So just, and especially being, a, if you're saying you're a bit tired, I'd just be a bit careful because you never know what might happen. <laughs> I mean, the strange thing is though, we're, we're saying about how we look tired and this and that. With the Premier League top goal scorers. You are, yeah. Oh, who did not nine past one team? 
Yeah, but... Well, we, <laughs> knocked seven. We, we knocked seven past one and we uh, we were happy to be top scorers. <laughs> I, but it, it is at, it, like it, it's, it is there. It's proof that we're, we're playing decent attacking football. It's not that we're not doing the right things, but... but the, I mean, even, team... if you te- even if you take them... them so take nine off us, we're still four for fifth top goal scorers. It's not like we're way down on the stats. Kind of, we, we, we're playing. Yeah, I mean, it's been a good season for us. I just think we look tired now. I think you know, we had a really good spell last few weeks. I think, and and particularly at the weekend, I think we we were poor against West Brom, and they just look like they need a week off. Well, we've got one one win in five. I think this obviously uh, Real Sociedad's coming up tomorrow, and I think that's probably going to be a big rotate the squad. Like players like Matter will come in and. Maybe Diallo might get a like a substitute appearance, or Matic will probably come in, and uh, who else might get a get? A Tuesday yeah, I mean, might come in, and Telles will probably play, and maybe Henderson will come in. Who have we got next in the FA Cup? Do we know? Well, we do know. Haven't we got Leicester? Do we? I'm, I'm, no, I'm asking. Yeah, it, it is Leicester. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I agree. It's, it's just, I mean, one win in the last five, it's just been a tough few weeks that we've had. And a, a tough few weeks in terms of the fact that we've lost against we've lost against Sheffield United, we've drew against West Brom, we had that three-all against Everton. It's just games that, like, again, you would have thought, oh, we should really be getting more out of these. This is, this is, this is Liverpool season, though. Not shall you two, this here. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's, you're just now starting to see the. It feels. It feels like. I don't know if you agree, so It feels like we're getting towards the back end of last season, where now Solskjaer's trying to make a point with the squad again. In terms of playing, like kind of the same players every single week, so we, in the summer, then he can spend and get what he wants. Yeah, got, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think he's like making a point. I just don't think. I think he's looking at the other options and going, ah. Oh, I'm just gonna have to try and get through with these guys again. But like you said before, that as soon as assume, I mean, it's, I suppose it's different with Cavani playing at, at, up top. At least you've got you've, you've got a bit of rotation there. But if you bring Rashford off and put James on, or if you bring Greenwood off and put Matter on, there's a fair old drop off there with how United would want to play. So I mean, it's easy to say we'll just rotate the team. But as soon as you start to do that, you then start to lose a lot of what. United are about and even when you said about Matic playing in midfield like you don't like Matic playing at all well McTominay can't play every game surely so Matic is going to have to play some of the games and like you said if Pogba's injured Van der Beek's not doing particularly well then it just completely limits your options about how how much you can rotate the team because when you said like there'd be a completely different team that will play on Thursday I'm like well how many players have you you got and obviously you've reeled off a few more than, than, than what I thought but I was like everybody's knackered because every, everybody's playing a lot of the top teams are playing the same team that they were playing before I mean the the, the thing with Leicester is they've not had Europe to really contend with um, and it's it's just going to affect teams in slightly different ways but I don't know Matt, I, I, you watch them more than me if you also that United are tired then that must be the case but I think Fernandez more than anything is tired I think he I think I think that's what we've noticed recently he's, he's He's dropped off a bit in terms of, and I know he's probably still putting out like similar numbers in terms of goals and assists, but he doesn't seem as dynamic or as what he was. But I mean, I still look. What are we? 
we're four points off fifth, and that's West Ham. I'd like to think that we can... I mean, I'm still going back to this when we last spoke, that I, the title was always going to be an unbelievable season. That is now gone, because City are now 10 points ahead, having won tonight against Everton. 10 points we are never going to make up on Manchester City the way they play in. I can't remember the last time they even went behind in a game, let alone lost. So now we're, we're it's just all about qualification for uh, Champions League. I know Solskjaer said at the weekend that they're not going to put, they're not going to give up the fight for the league. I think that's just talk more than anything. There's no way he seriously thinks he's going to catch you that, catch City up. So we're a just basically playing for top four. A month ago, he said he wasn't in a title race. Yeah, well, yeah, but now he's. I mean, it's amazing what happens and it changes things you've got to say to keep people happy, isn't it? But yeah. Anyway, Liverpool cheeser. It's not going particularly well, is yeah. it? Speaking of sides that are not in a title race. Yeah. Um, I mean... I'm, Do you I still think you can win it? You're 16 points off with 14 games left. No, I think... How we'll confident looking... are you top four? I'm just going to say, is that, are we talking about winning top four here? What or are we? Uh, that second, that second trophy that three other teams pick up every year. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like if you just said to me a week ago that we'd have, we'd have lost both games against um, Leicester and, and City, I probably would have been a bit disappointed. I was probably more disappointed of how it turned out on Saturday. I didn't think we played played particularly badly. I thought I thought we we fought really hard. To, the the goal we scored was a, was a good goal. I mean, last season that would have probably been the goal number three that we'd have scored, and we'd have been all right. Um, but we, we 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 stuck in the game. I thought we we played really well in the first half. I think Leicester had a couple of chances on the on the counter attack towards the end of the, uh, the end of the first half. But I, I didn't think we played badly. I thought we controlled the game quite well. Um, I thought Leicester. I thought Leicester were, were poor. I, I didn't really see much from from Madison. Um, Barnes wasn't really in the game. Vardy had that chance just before our time, but Leicester just seemed to be a bit disjointed. I know they were playing a central defender at, at, at right back, a central midfielder at right back. Um, and then we score, and then we just kind of, um, the situation with the penalty that wasn't a penalty, it was a free kick, and then it wasn't it was off, it, it wasn't offside or it was offside or whatever, and, and we ended up conceding that goal in, in the manner that we did in those kind of three or four minutes. And then we just capitulated. We... Um, Kabak and Allison between them made a mistake, and Vardy gets an open goal, and then we ch- try and chase for a second for a, a second goal to make it two all, and we give the ball away and plays are out of position, and Barnes goes through and, and, and scores, and in the space of six minutes we've lost the game. So, can I ask, are you at the point now where you're where you see Tiago's name on the team sheet and are a bit like, oh, or do you uh, still, oh, he's, he's, something's going to happen? I don't know. I kind of thought that. I mean, I'm trying to think where he came on, didn't he, for Milner? So Milner went off after um, 17 minutes, I think, with the hamstring, and he came on. And I thought that I thought that he played for how the game went. And this is very similar to how the game went last night in kind of that European game. When when we've got control of the game, he's perfect because he passed the ball around. He, he made sure that we were passing the we were passing forward, but to hit. Almost Liverpool's defensive, almost Liverpool's mid three have to have a huge amount of defensive defensive responsibilities upon them, and he's just not adapted to that. And if I'm being really honest, I don't think he probably will adapt to that. He should really be playing in. The, he was bought for the games that 
we that we struggled to break teams down. And I know that we won a load of games last year, and but the season before that we didn't, and we we were called out last year, and we've been called out again this year. But if he was playing in a midfield where it was Fabinho Henderson, then they would probably take up more of the flat than than we would probably have before. So Can I, I also I I, ask? Go on. I said this to Simon last last week when 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 you got cut off. That I just think he's come into a, into a team at a time where that it is completely different from the team that he joined at the, in October. Like he's playing, he's having to now play. He's he, the the team that he would be playing in front of would be Fabinho, Henderson, Van Dijk and Gomez. That would be the four that he's playing in front of. And, I mean, again, I didn't, what, I didn't watch any of the build-up for the week. I have no idea where Fabinho is. I don't, I don't know if he's injured or what, but obviously he's not playing. Henderson's playing in a back four with a brand-new centre-half, and the other two centre-halves are in. What are your views on these two new centre-halves who signed? Uh, well, Davis hasn't played yet, has he? I don't think he's, he's not injured. Played. Oh, he's injured? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know he was injured. No idea. So well, obviously, I didn't see. I didn't even see the bench. I didn't even know who we had on the bench. So obviously, the curse of the centre half strike again, and it's a good job that we got Kabak over the line in the end. But I don't. I, I, I mean, I'd, it was always going to be difficult. He, I mean, the the guy from that we could have signed from France, I thought would have been a better fit, slightly older. This guy still is only twenty, and I know that he's played in the Champions League, but he is still only twenty years old. I didn't think he played that badly with Henderson at the weekend, but again, it was another brand new centre half partnership. I thought they played a Phillips lad. Nat um, Phillips. What the um Nat, Nat Phillips, I think he's better. I think he's faster than him. I think that's ultimately why he's played. He's played Champions League football. There's no way that Nat that Nat Phillips is going to start over Kabak when he's played Champions League football. He's played for Galatasaray and he's played in the Bundesliga for as long as he's played in there for. Regardless of whether he's played for a team that shipped 60 goals this year. He's, he's. I think he's. I think he's got quite a lot of uh, of plaudits of how he can play. Um, and I, I mean, we've bought him for. We've got him alone for whatever we've got him for, and we don't have to keep him if it doesn't work out. So he's ultimately playing for his spot to be Liverpool one of the, the centre half that Liverpool signed in the summer. So he's going to want to make a good impression, um, and I think he's going to take time. Like what? Like you think about when Robertson signed or when we've signed anybody. Nobody's kind of hit the ground running, with the exception of probably Van Dijk. Everybody's taking time to adapt. To you, the um, it's going to be the same. Do you have any concerns that so, Henderson has played now in a back as a centre back for so long that he may not have the influence when he does eventually step back into midfield? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think. I don't think so. I think I'm more worried about how many games he's physically having to play now because that's ultimately what's it, that's the situation that's happening. That's what happened with Fabinho. He had to play every single game because there wasn't anybody else to play, and that's almost feels like what's happening with um, with Henderson. And we've obviously got games in midweek. We've got we've got the Mediterranean on Saturday. I think I'm not sure if we play again next week. I'm not sure if we've got a break then, but there's quite a lot of games happening now. And then all it takes is for Henderson, who's not got the greatest injury record in the world to, to go down. And, and, and we're back to, we're back to square one, but we've only got one hit centre half. And we're going to have to play neither of the fifth and sixth backup choice centre halves that we've got because they're both injured. So I don't know. How, uh, did you find, uh, find champ- the, the positive for Liverpool this week, uh, winning the Champions League against uh, RB Leipzig? I did, the game wasn't much different than the Leicester game. 
Um, I didn't think Leipzig were particularly great. I thought they were they were a bit more they were a bit more attacking than what Leicester were at, at the weekend to begin with, and they did have uh, some half chances. My only thing uh, with this right at the very end where they probably should score is the fact that obviously um, it, when United first played them in the first game in the Champions League, we absolutely battered them. Almost we scored a four like four or five late goals, yeah, and then the second that, game, I didn't know that the first game. We played yeah, were very well, surprised by it, so. Although you won two 0 like I, I, they they have the ability to surprise you and create but it chances. But it wasn't that game. We didn't. I would if you said to me, did we batter the line? Yeah, but say, no, we didn't. Not. We only scored their goal. We didn't. Because they you think Rashford came on state, so. and had twenty minutes left and scored hat trick? So it's not like we steamrolled him. Rashford came on to a tired, tired defense and then took advantage basically. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, I, I, I mean, you never really know, do you? I mean, didn't you, did, did you not win at home and then you played them away and then they won away? Was that not what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it is, I mean, it is the other way around. And to be fair, they we were, also, they uh, in, in the match we lost against them, we refused yeah, to um, mark their left wing back at any stage. He was, you know, had yeah. a policy and he was allowed to have, he at all stages was allowed to have at least 20 meter space around him. There was a couple of occasions. There was, I remember the goal that he scored against you guys after about three minutes or whatever it was, however many goals. And there was an occasion, there was a couple of occasions where he got in, in similar positions. I think it was a little bit further out and he was put under a little bit more pressure, but he was, they were very much playing with um, the two guys up front and then both, uh, and then almost like a, a Trent and Robertson partnership that played almost as a 4 2 4 formation. Um, but I just thought like I mean up in Bacano obviously I would find out during the match he was awful in United's first game he was awful well. kept giving the ball away um, I mean uh, the, the, the similarity you are and well then, the, the, so the story goes so the story goes that it was from that game that that's when United gave up uh, the chase for him because obviously he's been, for a long time he's been touted as been like the best the young next. Yeah, the next best thing, yeah. Send around prospects in Europe. And, and, and so the story goes that all he's at the end of that was, like, oh, he's not the guy for us after all. Well, the, the, I mean, think, if you think Bayern Munich will probably be buying him because it ultimately makes their challenges weaker. So they're buying, they're buying ultimately Leipzig's best player. So Leipzig, uh, to replace him, he's going to cost an awful lot of money or they're going to have to bring somebody through. I mean, there was talk of Liverpool not necessarily going after him, but he's centre-back partnership. But I think he's the same guy that played against uh, centre-half last night and he made the mistake for the um, for the Mane goal. It was almost very much what Kabak did against Leicester. He just kind of went to kick it completely. I mean, just, it. By to, that point, just Mane to clear was, up any more so I don't know. I think, was Nagelsmann wearing an outlandish jacket? <laughs> uh, no, it, that it, it did. It came up in commentary quite a few times, but um, no, he just had a feeling on. He was getting, he was getting very frustrated. I mean, they had chances to score. I mean, that, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't watching it thinking this is, this is a dream. I think we, we were quite fortunate that we just seemed to take our chances. It could have, it could have very easily been two all. Um, but I thought for the game and how everything's been in the last couple of weeks, I thought we played quite well. I think the biggest difference that we made was um, that we kind of, kind of once we'd scored uh, the second goal, we just kind of uh, took that result. Whereas in games gone gone by, especially I think about the game against Villa, where we just kept on going for the result and tried to score goals. And even to a degree, when we played Leicester at the weekend, we would I think we brought attacking situa- attacking players on to make situations. We almost brought four into midfield. 
sacrificed that person that, that uh, sacrificed for me you now to play up front and just left Mane and Salah up there. So that was probably the first time I'd seen a kind of a, a step change to go, well, actually, well, let's just sit in. And, and I think even after 85, 86 minutes, he brought Salah off and brought a right back on. He brought Nico Williams on to play what was almost a second right back so that, um, that Angelino didn't get any more chances to get in. Because um, they were attacking, they were they were a little bit more attacking in the last ten minutes, Leipzig. So Klopp doesn't really tend to do that. Doesn't really tend to bring players on to shore it up. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the the, the big a big test will be obviously at the weekend of what happens in the Merseyside derby. It's, it's probably Everton's best chance ever to win a game at Anfield. I probably would have thought, um, especially with the game that obviously happened at Old Trafford. You, you, I mean, I think if if Everton score three at Anfield on. On, on Saturday, I can't see Liverpool scoring scoring three goals. I thought Firmino was a, a little bit ineffective again. I didn't think he was particularly great. I thought Curtis Jones played really well. Um, Wine album kept the ball in, in tight situations. And it was again, it was probably one of Thiago's best games. And he was the one that came off after about seventy eight minutes. But again, he's not played football since October. He's not played football since what the end of December. He's I mean, practically played every game. Last, last thing. There was rumours of a big bust-up in the dressing room between Robertson and Alisson. I mean, before, I, yeah, I don't know, that's not really opinion. Who do you think of winning yeah. the fight? <laughs> I don't think Robertson would give up. I think if you punched Alisson in the face... Do you reckon Alisson would do the classic there, thing like, he'd go to punch up. his chin but just hit his beard instead and it wouldn't... Yeah, or he'd just stand there with his long arm on his head on Robert's Swinging head, iron brute. He's swinging his arms and just trying to get a bit closer to him. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, where are we in the... Like, you just said that we're no, over 16 points. points guys, yeah. Are we even in the top four or not? Are we six. out of the top four? I mean, nicely, everyone's oh, wow. kind of played the same amount of games now as well. Well, everyone has so, played the same games. It's all evened up. So, it's just... Uh, the only the only real team that could go ahead of you now are so, uh, Villa because they've got two games in hand. But I mean, their form's been patchy, hasn't it? So, uh, Chelsea are now four. So there, yeah. So it's so City City are on fifty six. Then it's United on forty six. So what? Leicester on forty six. Chelsea on forty two. West Ham on forty two, and then Liverpool on forty. That is the table as it stands. Yeah, I think there's. I think we play Everton, and then I, I mean, what really matters after this does I suppose doesn't really matter. But I don't think we. I don't think we. We don't well, play you've got you Everton, until the first you've got of Everton, May. Then Sheffield United. So I think then is there not, is there not internationals before in, you play Leipzig again? So. Uh, uh, it's it's Sheffield that, no, it's away. It's at Bramall Lane. Uh, I, I went, it's, it's, uh, we're, oh, that's a tough place to go. They're the only team in the bottom yeah. six we've beat. You didn't, so, you didn't beat them at Bramall Lane, though, did you? We drew, we drew away at Fulham. So, oh, I don't know. You uh, do, you no. do. And we only, we only, we only beat I mean, that last year because uh, Henderson let the ball in. <laughs> when did Sheffield United play? Was we it only last won night. No, last year. It must have been last night. But anyway, oh, they met the Ollie McBurney started on the bench and they waited like fifteen minutes. They got Ollie McBurney dressed or like out of his tracksuit, back in his tracksuit for about 15 minutes, and eventually they brought him off on. 
And at that time, I thought, well, you bring Ollie McBurney on just because he's a tall, lanky lad, don't you? I seem to crouch and just whips and bop, crosses him. He came on and started playing this, like, false nine position withdrawn from and trying to dictate play. And I thought, you have not been brought on, McBurney, for your passing ability. <laughs> like, just get in the box and just be a target. Absolute <laughs> clown. Well, I know what is going to happen when we play Sheffield United. That Rian Bruce is going to score a hat trick. I know that's 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 a given. That's with why the he's, that's that why he's not playing. So he kept fresh. That's definitely what's going to happen. Game. So, um, yeah, he's uh, that's what he's been waiting for. His first his first Premier League goals for it. That'll be it. Um, it'll be at Bramall Lane against Liverpool. So, anyway, I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll see what we'll see what the weekend brings. Um, <laughs> right, we'll move on to the cricket before we hit the two hour mark. Um, Simon, is it is it is it the old cliche of you bat first, you win? Well, yeah. So in the first test, England won. Uh, they did bat first, and the pitch was sort of, I would say, fair pitch. You know, it, it was kind of solid for the first few days. It started to spin later on. England, having won that match, turned at the same ground for the second pitch. Uh, we lost the toss. We bowled first. I actually don't think the toss was that big a thing in the in the second test match. Like India acknowledged that their real strength over England is they've got better spin bowlers than us, and they produced a, a pitch that was sort of turning so and breaking up from it, day was one. It, was a bit of a nightmare. Was it the exact I think same with it? Got one ball that was, like, was it basically a ten-day-old? It was different, wasn't it? They said it they were playing it was on a different. different pitch. I think it was, di- it was different soil used. But it would have been. It would have still um, been, been prepared. Been, like, <laughs> obviously, they played the test match on it, so it still would have been the same bit of grass. Like, it would have been the same. No, no, no but what I'm saying is, it's so a different the strip, strip. So, England play, on, yeah, they play the first test on one strip, and then they get another, they choose to do yeah. a strip 10 yards to the right. No, I think I think they've got they have got different soil oh. in different places depending on what the they want to prepare. There's five days of them not being able to do anything with it, surely, because you're playing on it. Yeah, but it's still. Like, yeah, but it's it's different if you bowl on grass to if you bowl on an actual cricket wicket, isn't it? So obviously, once they've once they've created the whole the the, the yeah, pitch know, and but, the, they've marked it out and they've sort the grass. But what I'm saying is, you're playing it all the time. It'll be a, it would, you, it'll be slightly you have a bit different. of time to. Sort the pit, sort the wicket out for whatever you want, don't you? Whereas, sure, and there's very rare times that you play back to back tests at a ground, is there? Evening. So then, like the amount of the amount of yeah, it's very rare. Or not five days. Just, is it? Would it not be that the, the pitch would have been more like a maybe a day three, day four pitch earlier on in, on day one as opposed to a day one pitch? Well, no, I, I, I think they they did it on purpose, and as they are entitled to do, that's sort of the perk of being the home team. And uh, and England capitulated. Uh, Rohit Sharma, to be fair to him, the Indian opening batsman scored a superb hundred, put him on a in a, in a good position. Our batsmen never looked like we were going to get any score on there, and you know our bowlers probably weren't quite as good as Ashwin is, and you know India ended up. Stroll into a to a fairly I mean, comfortable we did, victory, and we uh, did say last week even up with one all. Obviously, the, the if it one. wasn't for Roots Global Century and Jimmy Anderson's over for the ages, how 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 big a result like would it have been? 
how close a game would it have been if it wasn't them two pieces like two pieces of brilliance from them two English players? So obviously, yeah. I, and, and we I mean, is it, yeah, is it, is and, it, is and, it and now policy to swap Broad and Anderson in each test, or is it? Well, yeah. I mean, it seems to be so. The, the next test is actually a day-night test. Um, which is handy because I think, it's, I think it means it starts at about 8 a.m. UK. Oh, that, that's good because then trying to explain, um, well, I mean, it'll make it easier to explain and, start and, times and finishing times around the world to Teddy when he sees me stick it on in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, it does not surprise <laughs> me you get your time zones things got, in early doors when it comes every to Every moment. Camp. Every moment's a teaching <laughs> moment, isn't it? Homeschooling, <laughs> those kids are going to be on top of time zone. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, it's nine o'clock in the morning, they're having tea. Like, the first time I've any real interest in the cricket. And he, he started asking me questions. I said, Teddy, guess how long these games last? He went, how long? I said, five days. And he went, like, he's just, he, like, his face was like, his mind had been blown how one game could last five days or something. <laughs> like, it, the, Oh, the longest board game he's, he's grown, played. He's like grown three, up playing board, played board games with games. you. We played board games. It took three hours, three and a half hours to finish this game. And he goes around telling everyone that this game you played once took three and a half hours to finish. So now this one game of cricket that takes five days, that is, poof, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's so the, the story that's come out at the back end of the cricket was so Moen Ali played that they dropped Don Bess. They played Moen Ali. Uh, Moen Ali, he went to the Sri Lanka. He did, although he didn't play, he went to Sri Lanka. He actually got COVID. So he then had to isolate on his own in his hotel room for 10 days. Um, and he's now, he then didn't play the first test, played the second test, actually played quite well. Probably our best bowler. I think he took eight wickets across the test match. He actually biffed a few runs at the end as well. But then the sort of controversy is he's now going home. Now, that was prearranged. But what has happened is, in if you remember, Johnny Bairstow played in Sri Lanka, played the two tests in Sri Lanka, then went home, and he's actually coming back and probably will play the next test. Joss Butler uh, played the first two tests, played the two tests in Sri Lanka, then played that the first test in India, and was then sent home. And that is kind of their process is to sort of rotate these all-format players because they're playing so much over the next year. But on each of those occasions, it has been signposted that England have rested them and that basically the England management have taken the, the decision that they need to be pulled out. But with Moeen Ali, uh, Joe Root said that <coughs> Moeen Ali had chosen to go home. So all of a sudden, Moeen Ali gets a lot of stick from a lot of corners of the press. You all pile in that he's the guy that is choosing to rest instead of play for England. And uh, when actually all he's done is he's basically done what everybody else has done and taken the option that was made open to him. But on every other occasion, the England management have sort of taken the hit for any criticism that comes their way and said, no, we've forced it on them. But with Moeen, suddenly it's like, Oh, he's the one guy who's turned his back on England. So he's, he's coming for a dreadful stick. He's had a really tough time of it over the last month. 
But England are now in this situation where he's gone home. It's quite clear they wanted him to play the next Test match. And they're going to have to turn back to Don Bess and be like, oh, good luck, mate. I mean, the thing is, I, this, I mean, you say, I've not, I've not heard anything about this, but the, my, my initial reaction to it is this guy had COVID. Now, I've had COVID and it wasn't like I wasn't in hospital, like I didn't have any breathing problems, but I can, I'd still feel like I've been ill. And that was almost nearly, what, three or four weeks ago? He was ill, then went to India to play a five-day test in, in, in what was pretty, pretty big heat. I suggest if he wants to go home, I'd allow him to go home. Yeah. Athlete or no athlete, I mean, if that's what he wants to do, then that's what. Uh, what's the point in keeping him there? And, and it's also, you know, he's got a young... He's the promise he's made to his family is that he is going to come home for this period. And I he's mean, going back yeah, out to play in the thing, at the end of the day. What, realistically, England's... Before even we even got the... the First win, and we've like what? Well, how long's the test series? What is it? A three game series or is it five? Four. So realistically, what were England's chances going away to win and actually getting a test series victory? It's pretty slim. I'm I'm imagining before it all. Well, even more so, with that. Even more with that. At the end of the day, like, the ball Ali going home, you shouldn't act like. I mean, bigger picture thinking. I mean, obviously, you're in it like, yes, you're the cricket team, so you should go in every, every cricket team to try and every match to try and win. But at the end of the day, we're realistically never going to do that. What is this? It's only the second Test Series we've played since... since Co- like, can't, we've, we've not had that much cricket before we went to Sri Lanka, have we? So, I mean, the rotation thing, I, it is bad that they, the way they've, they've mentioned it all and said it all, but like, like you said, Cheesy... If he wants to go home, based on everything that's happened, then yeah, fair enough. He wants to go home. Like it, it, it is bad from the ECB that they've allowed one of their players to come in for so much stick based on the decision that had been pre-made before any of this had happened, before any performances that had happened, and and to allow him to receive this stick it is pretty bad. Oh. I mean, one of the. I th- I think did you put the did you put the um message in the group um, Simon about the team like the night before the game so I mean England wouldn't have expected Archie I, I would have I would have thought that Archie would have played this game if he hadn't been injured because Archie was injured wasn't he uh, yeah but it's only like a minor injury but yeah um, so obviously that would have meant that I think Ollie Stone would have, would have come in so they, they almost like completely changed their entire um, bowling attack from the, from the previous game so that's obviously not going to help and I know that they're obviously trying to keep everybody fresh but it, it in continuity, ultimately, he's going to he's going to be more helpful. Um, but I did think that why, why did we why did we India? I think didn't it, India had two um, frontline pace bowlers in the first in the first game with Chammer and Bumrah, and Bumrah's obviously not played this game, and they've gone with an extra spinner. And we don't have this. We've got the situation where we talked about last week that Stokes is an all rounder, but he's a pace all he's a pace all rounder. He's not a, he's not a spin all rounder. So we're having to go back. The, the captain's going to ha- he's almost having to bowl, whereas they've almost got three. Frontline spin bowlers. They've got one one um, pace attack, um, and then they've got Ashwin. They've got Ashwin as well, who can who, who can also bowl. So I just, I just thought I don't know. I just thought it was a bit strange that that Bess and Ali and Leach didn't all play rather than play rather than just play two spinners. And I did broad. I broad did he even, did he even take a wicket in the entire in, in the entire match. I mean, at uh, one point, uh, he might, I don't he think he's broad in the first in India. Yeah, no, he's only sort of like eight eight wickets in the. Every test, like in the entirety of his 
played in India. So I was kind of like, that's why I asked you about the broad Anderson kind of situation. It seems, I mean, obviously, like I said before, you're not expecting an India win. You to go to India and win is quite a big achievement. But I don't know. But if Broads took eight wickets in his hold, so I think I think with And I think with Anderson, who's sort of the one of the fast bowlers that has quite a good record in India, and they've taken the view that he can't play all four. Um, and I think they want so this day in this day night test match. So in day night test matches, wherever they've had them in the world, that every time there's been this thing they call the sort of twilight time, which basically sort of early evening when it's not really, you're not really clear if like the lights have taken over or it's still just from the light that's there. The ball everywhere in the world has kind of sort of started swinging at that stage and it's become very hard to bat and that's become a real tough time to bat when in all of these day-night test matches. So I think they're desperate for their best swing bowler, who's Jimmy Anderson, to play this third test match. So I think they sort of took the view that having played the first match, he, you know, but if they played him in the second, by the third, he might be on his last legs. So they rested him, and you know, uh, and uh, you know, England, and, and and even if Anderson had played that in the second Test match, I think we would have lost anyway. I, I don't, I really don't see there was any way. Oh, I agree. The back before, there wasn't. So you know. Yeah, we just didn't get enough runs. And and it look, the pitch was just one of those pitches where the team with the best spinners and, and the team that was best at batting against spin was going to win. Just and before it's all negative batting, is there some encouragement to be taken from the fact that Virat Kohli has never really got a big score yet? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, things would only get worse if Virat Kohli finds form, yeah. So, yeah, so that, that, is a, that is a good sign. I think Jack Leach has been bowling well, which is a good sign. Um, obviously, Root is still in really good form. Bairstow's coming back, and he's one of our best players of spin. Got runs in Sri Lanka. I think he'll come in and bat number three. I think Dan Lawrence will probably get dropped for the next test. So, yeah. Do you think we'll, do you think we'll pick a very um, IPL or orientated team then for... Well, I think Archer will come back in straight away. And, you know, he is a real sort of X-factor bowler who can be a real difference between the two sides if he's at his best. So, you know, you have to hope. But uh, and, and will Butler come back in, do you think? or is No, 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 he's not back in. He's, he's, uh, he's, in, he's in, in England feet up. Oh, so he's not. He's not. All right, I thought he'd take it before he's coming back. He'd, he'd, he'd gone home for a test and was coming back. So, all right, I didn't. No, folks, I mean, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't think folks did that badly, to be fair. No, yeah, well, and the other big positive was folks, folks who is kind of renowned as being the best actual wicket keeper, and he took a couple of stumpings that none of the, our other wicket keepers would have taken. So, um, so yeah, that that is the big positive. I think um, his first time he's actually played in India for uh, for England. I think the in- Indian press were sort of suddenly amazed that. England have this incredible wicketkeeper that they've just been keeping under wraps for uh, the last few years. But yeah, so it was a bit of a coming out party for him. And then Burns and Sibley, is that going to carry on, do you think? Well, Burns has not got any run. So uh, Rory Burns, who didn't play in Sri Lanka because he was, um, I think he had his first child, so he was on sort of paternity leave. He's come back for these matches and I think Ashwin basically gets him out whenever he wants. So I'm not 100% sure what they'll do in terms of that position. I think Zach Crawley is fit again. 
so they could make that change, but he didn't get any runs in Sri Lanka. I think they'll probably go with Burns again. Um, but I'm not really, he just, he doesn't really look like he's going to get any runs because as soon as Ravi Ashwin comes on, Burns uh, looks like he's in trouble and he has a slightly complicated technique. And once he's out of form, he can look quite uh, bad. Well, last, last, it'll be, no. well, and again. Sorry, Ross. Next question, sorry. I was going to say, so it'll be best Leach, Chandra, Anderson and Archer then that will probably, it's likely to play. And Stokes, yeah. Uh, I, I, just be to, I suspect that'll what, be uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the Channel 4 coverage? Uh, interesting. I mean, it's nice that it's on terrestrial TV. I think the value figures are actually quite similar to what Sky has had. <laughs> But I think this will be the big test where it's on. Uh, it's going to be on at a more favourable time because it'll be on. You know, it'll start at eight a.m. It'll be on throughout the day. And the thing is, when matches start at four a.m., you have to be quite a committed cricket fan to go. And if you're that committed, yeah. But then at the same time, it's nice the fact that you don't like. You can just um, go. Oh, I'm waking up at nine o'clock. Oh, the cricket's on. Yeah, and I, I, I think also, I think the big moment will be if there is a close finish in one of the test matches. And it's that moment when you sort of see on Twitter, oh, it's really close, this. And actually, I can just put it on. You know, and suddenly people who maybe won't uh, you know, tune in for day three, session number one of a test match. But if it gets like to the final session of the fifth test match and everyone in the country has the access to the cricket, maybe there is an opportunity there to get quite high viewing figures and have a real breakthrough moment, whereas... Normally, that would just be oh well. As it happens, I don't subscribe to Sky, so I can't watch that. Uh, in terms yeah. of the coverage, they've taken the international feed, which was kind of the only real option, which isn't great to be honest with you. And there's not really much they can do about that. I think Mark Butcher and Nick Knight are sort of the English people they've got on the actual commentating, and they do quite a good job. But the rest, the Indian commentators they've got on are quite biased. And yeah, there was a there was a thing the other day when like there was a DRS review. Uh, and the umpire the didn't glove. check the bit that England wanted them to check. So, it, yeah. So basically, the ball had—I think the ball had kind of hit his pad and then bounced up and flicked his glove and gone straight to Ollie Pope. And Ollie Pope, England were appealing because Ollie Pope had caught it off the glove, which would have been out. And the third umpire had just checked to see if it had been LBW. And the Indian umpire, the Indian commentators, just didn't seem to, all the umpires didn't, didn't seem to acknowledge. And Mark Butcher, to be fair to him, yeah, he's like, no, this, this is quite this. clear. No, he's, he's, not bothered about, he's not bothered about what he's just seen. He's bothered about what he's not seen. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the Indian commentators were kind of talking down to Mark Butcher that he's an idiot and just haven't, we didn't understand how cricket works. And, and Butcher, to be fair to himself, held his ground. But anyway, so, so, so I think Butcher... I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, heavy, for me, it's the breaks, tea breaks and lunch breaks. Yeah, there is when they come back to that studio... They're, they're the when they come yeah, back to the studio, and Andrew Strauss in there, fair enough. And they've had Alistair Cook, fine, fair enough. But I just think, but the, like you watch the Sky ones, and you have Bumble and Gower and whoever else. But yeah, that's that, what I mean. There's that gap between the four fields when you go to That's a, it's a tough. There's no real chemistry. There's no real banter. There's no real. It's just a tough half hour, forty minutes that you're trying to get through. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, and, and 
and Sky, to be fair to Sky, Sky are really good at cricket. I think, you know, Sky have these really good pundits and it like is quite a good watch watching the cricket on Sky. And yeah, I agree. I mean, that first test match, there's that Rishi oh, Prasad yeah. presenting and Alistair Cook on his to own. Cook. I mean, that is well, this, long this quite clear that you've just met that morning as well. Chat. And then poor Alistair, <laughs> poor Alistair. Yeah. <laughs> But they've uh, at least they've kind of. I mean, they had they had they've had Simon Hughes on at least for the second test. I don't think he was on the first test, was he? I mean, the nice, no, no, the first the nice thing from the Channel Four point of view is they had, um, had somebody. It was the English women's cricketer they had on. Yes, yeah, so that was quite a nice. Oh, Ebony Ray from French. She's really good. Thing that yeah. Sky don't do yet. Do they? They, they don't have any female pundits on, do they? Yeah. So. Well, not in the main roles, no, yeah. So they sometimes use him, they sometimes use uh, Ish- Ishiguha, but not in the, not, like, yeah. they don't give him like a good half hour slot on, on the lunch break. But they had one of, they had, uh, is it Henry, Henry Blow? Blow is it called Henry like Blow? Bond villain. Blow? Yeah, yeah, Blowers. Yeah, and they had him on, like, one of Yeah. <laughs> no, so he is, um, oh, well, he's the, his then. dad was the inspiration for Blofeld. Yeah, yeah, pop back. He had, um, but they had him on one lunchtime, and he literally just re- he just he just talked about one time he took him forty six days to drive to India it, in a, it, in a yeah. Rolls Royce. I, I watched that bit. They literally put him on and just like it was basically the, the question to him was <laughs> blowers tell us your good anecdote, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that was literally <laughs> the, the worst bit is the person that's vetting the tweet because some of the tweets that comes in, he just reads them out and goes. Well, we'll talk about that tweet. Move on to the next one. But they only read three tweets out, so it's not like that they've got like <laughs> ten minutes. Yeah, yeah pick the good ones, lads. Yeah, yeah. I was like, sure. I know it's four o'clock in the morning, but you must be getting some more than that. So the next next like, test starts. Oh. But yeah. Oh, do you want me to tell you? At some point, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You got it in front of you. It's, it's, it's about 10 days of a gap, isn't there? So second, the second test was only supposed to finish this morning. So yeah. I don't think it's... Uh, they are actually going somewhere else. In a week. A week so today. Yeah. The same. At nine o'clock. A, a cheesy. I, I think we talked about this last week. With the, the first test match was played with no fans, which I think we agreed really exposed that stadium. Um, do you feel it, it, it held up better with a few fans in second time around? No, it was worse because then I, you could see like where where the shade was. That that stand, the, the massive stand that they have that's, that's obviously at one end. They just stuck all the fans up there, so you could still see how much of a, a poor stadium it was. They didn't. I mean, the train station got less action. This this they got they showed <laughs> more fans than the train station and, and the coast this week. But I mean, I mean, Ross, I think it was you that brought it up last week about that stadium, but it didn't make me think. Uh, this, this, the fans have, have tran- absolutely transformed this stadium. Well, I just, don't know. I could just never know the train station. Presumably, time. coronavirus outbreak. <laughs> then allow, managed to allow fans to go in the stadium. I mean, that that baffled yeah, me. That, there was there was a lot. There was one there was one guy wearing a mask that I saw. The rest of them were just screaming every time that the every anybody ever either hit a four or got don't, a wicket. Oh, well, don't doubt what's possible. Yeah. You have a competent government. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what was that? Yeah, I, I thought I had something else to say, but I didn't. Oh, the the only other thing that really annoyed me, and this was, I think it was on the first day when I think it was Rahani and Sharma was in, 
that the commentator kept referring to Rahani as a jinkia. And he did it. And it, there was one point where in the sentence where he was talking about him, and he must have said it six times in one sentence. For some, and I can't remember what he was talking And I was like, you stop referring to him by his first name. I was like, <laughs> every, everybody else, you talk, you, you mentioned you talk as if it's their last name. You just uh, This guy could be your son. I'm not bothered. Just <laughs> refer to him as the last name. We're not going to mention fans. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was going to say when when fans are actually allowed back into football, you see a full stadium again. Like, how weird will that be? That fan reactions will actually be in time with the matches? Because obviously, when you watch football now, there's a near chance five seconds later the DJ goes, "Ooh, if you want- there's, there's that, isn't there?" Yeah. It's going to take me a bit of a bit of time to adjust fans actually reacting yeah. in real time to a game. Well, well, I think on Monday we'll find out when that will be. So they've they've said, haven't they, for the rest of this? They've said while fans are not in stadiums, every game will be on TV. I think that was in that was in the news today. I don't know if that's been. I don't know if that was spoken a bit further on, but every game this season is going to be on the TV. It doesn't look like um, it doesn't it doesn't look like that's going to change this season. So it's probably going to be next season. But they, they, there was a story this week on the BBC about clubs opening. Um, with lateral flow tests, I was like, good luck testing somebody at one o'clock in the morning and tell them they can't come into the club because they've got coronavirus. I'm like, I was like, there's arguments and there's arguments with door staff anyway. I was like, you can fill them for the drink and then try and coronavirus test them. Self administered well, coronavirus right. tests. It's not going to end Imagine well. Imagine where is it? them swabs are going to go. Yeah. Um, Take away yeah. a beer grim scene at four o'clock in the morning. Anyway, is that it? Thanks for listening to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouse podcast. Give it a like, give it a share, and let us know what you think on Twitter at Mank3. That's at M A N C T H R E E. And keep listening for more new podcasts every week.